Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Sometimes it's good just to linger. I get anxious. I get restless. You ever get that way? Okay, what's next? What's next? And the Lord's had to teach me how to linger. You remember, for those of you who have, when you fell in love for the first time, and you had those phone calls where it's, no, you hang up, no, you hang up. No, you say goodbye, no, you say goodbye. Do you remember those? Do you remember those moments when you just didn't want to take her home or drop her off and you drove her home and you waited outside and you just talked in the car for another hour? And then you dropped her off and you're like, I can't wait to get married just so I don't have to take you home anymore. And then it's like, I can't wait till tomorrow when I get to talk to her again. Or him, whatever the case may be for you. Do you remember how you just lingered? You didn't have anything to talk about. It didn't really matter where you were. Well, you just lingered. That's God's heart for us. I know when we pray, sometimes we bring him all of our requests, make them known to him with thanksgiving and I don't think I've ever remembered a time when, I mean, our lives have gotten pretty busy. Hers has. And it can be almost tempting after 20 years of marriage, 20 years of marriage, and with the busyness of life, just to go, can I schedule an appointment with you at 10 o'clock? Because we've got six things that we need to go over and to decide on, and then you go, you do your thing, and I'll do my thing. I just, and it's not like I go to bed the night before saying, I can't wait till I have my appointment with Romy. Because I get to finally resolve all these things that are left undone. And when I finally get my appointment, it's going to be so great because I get to tell her all the stuff that I want, and then she gets to tell me all the ways she's going to help me get what I want. Just kidding. I look forward to our date days. We do date days on Wednesdays. It's weird, I know. But I have a Bible study Wednesday morning from 7.30 till 8.30. And I don't stick around after that Bible study. Y'all can, but I'm out. Because I just can't wait to linger. Do you know how much he wants to linger with you? When God would come down in the cool of the day and walk with Adam in the garden, he didn't come with a checklist. He didn't come with a to-do list. He didn't come with a, here's all the ways you don't measure up, Adam. He just walked with him and lingered. And then sin enters the world. and Adam's hiding. 
And here comes now the to-do list, but that was never his intention for you. My heart is that we would learn to linger, not check out, not start flipping onto our phones when we just got a little bit restless, but to stay engaged. Sometimes just to laugh, not to be so serious about everything. It doesn't have to be an intense moment. It just takes a lingering, doesn't it? I think that's what God wants us to do. Would you close your eyes for a minute? I want you to picture the Father. However it is that you see Him. And just linger. Stop yearning for the answers. Stop yearning for the directions and the approval. And just be with Him. He doesn't want you to become a son or a daughter. He wants you to just be one. You already are. You're a son. You're a daughter of the King of Kings. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy, there's peace, there is love, there is patience and kindness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and even self-control. Thank you, Father. Funny thing starts to happen when you linger long enough with your partner. You start to feel what they feel. You hear what they hear and you see what they see and you frustratingly finish each other's sentences. 
And you'll even say, but that's not what I was going to say. Well, yeah, it is. Could you finish this God's sentences about you? Could you finish his sentence about you? Because it's a lot better than arguing with him about what he's already saying about you. Because he's saying you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, but God, have you seen this? I've loved you with an everlasting love. Yeah, but God, I messed up yesterday. If you linger long enough and let him do the talking, you'll start to become like him. In Genesis, it says that God made mankind in his own image, his likeness. So the blueprint for us is him. So as we linger, we're being transformed into his likeness and back to the original design that he had for us. Father, speak to us tonight. As individuals, speak to us. We thank you that your presence is here, Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> if you're new, this is probably not normal. I was going to say that, and then I was like, no, this kind of is. And what I mean by normal, it's just responding to what we really feel like God's wanting to do in the moment and in the room. We have some happy rah-rah messages and stuff too, but I just want to make sure that I let God do what he's going to do instead of bringing him my own list. We are starting a new series tonight, <laughs> which I don't know if we've really done an official series. Um, but it's called The Fruit and the Flow. The Fruit and the Flow. As I was writing this and finishing it up today, I was telling Romy, I said, I really think this is a series. This is not like a one-off message. I don't know how many weeks it's going to take, but are you cool if I did this for a couple of weeks? And she's like, yeah, go for it. I said, I kind of want to use tonight as the foundational thing to kind of set the, the table for what we're going to talk about. And I think I prophetically spoke that over us because that's what just happened tonight wasn't what I had planned. <laughs> but that's the foundation we want, isn't it? It's the linger. It's the linger. I can't stop thinking about Wednesday now. I can't wait for Wednesday. So the fruit and the flow, the fruit and the flow. I'll tell you where this really stemmed from in me was as I'm reading the Bible, I'm going to read two particular verses that this is going to be kind of based on. It's coming from a place of knowing 
God, we are your kids. Like, we are your children. We're, we're meant to be free and whole, not scattered and broken. Free and whole. Our identity comes from the fact that we are made in his image. My identity is not in what I do. My identity is not in who I'm married to. My identity is not in the things that I have accomplished. My identity is in the Father. I was made in his image. That's my identity. And so the natural state for me as a son of the King of Kings is to live free and to live whole. And when I read in the Bible about what that life is supposed to look like, what life as a believer in Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, is supposed to look like, why is it that my life doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like? Or maybe if it does, it's kind of only in part. I got some pieces, and I'm trying to connect some of these pieces, and I have seasons where things are going great, and I have seasons where maybe things aren't going so great. But I realized that, like even my own sons, my two boys, they're not trying to be my sons. They already are. They can't help it. Does that make sense? So whether they are doing the right thing or, or, or doing less than the right thing, they're still my sons. They're not trying to be something they already are. And if we can learn to live from a place of our identity secure in Him, it might change the way we're able to receive some of the things that we're supposed to receive. This will make sense in a minute. Here's the two verses I want to share with you. And this is why it's about the fruit and the flow. I'm actually going to do the flow first and then get to the fruit. But the flow and the fruit didn't sound as cool as the fruit and the flow. So bear with me. John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Man, I, you talk about a, a rabbit trail. I got so beautifully distracted by what this festival was and why Jesus waited until this moment to say that. Maybe we'll do that in the next week, but it's pretty cool when you look at the types, feasts, and tabernacles. i got to make sure I don't go too far down that road. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. And by this, he meant the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Streams of living water will flow from anyone who believes in Jesus. And the moment this is going to happen is when they receive the Holy Spirit. Streams of living water, not a stagnant cesspool filled with muck, not a little tiny trickle of polluted water. This is not Flint, Michigan water. This is streams of living water. That's his intention for us. When you have a stream, an internal source of refreshing, cool, clean, healing, living water, then you have no fear of dry places. 
There's no fear of dry places when I've got my own water source living inside of me. Not only do I have no fear of dry places, I seek out dry places because I realize that that dry place needs what I have. An endless supply refreshing me and because of the outflow, it refreshes others as well. I looked at this verse and I went, I can be introspective sometime, anybody like me? Like you read something, you're like, I don't know if I'm like that. You get a little bit introspective. I can be that way sometimes. But I remember reading this verse and going, I don't always feel like there's streams of living water coming from me. Anybody ever done that? Like I feel something maybe bubbling or girl. I felt a little something. Could have been the Rummy's cannellini bean soup yesterday. I don't know. But I don't feel like there's a stream of, of, of living water flowing from me all of the time. <laughs> in fact, you ever had those kind of moments where you're trying to put on the good face, but you got so much stuff in here, it's like I ain't cussing, but where I'm spitting, the grass is dying? Anybody had a day like that? You've never played golf with me, you'd understand that. But that's not the way we're supposed to live. Because the normal state of a disciple is that their heart overflows with rivers of living water. The normal state of a disciple is a heart that overflows with living water. What I want you to see is this is not a goal to attain. This is not me trying to study enough and pray enough and go to church enough and give enough and serve enough and be in enough Bible studies that maybe someday I'll get like a little squirt that comes out of my heart. It's not a goal to attain. It's understanding who we were created to be. It's aligning our heart and our lives with our identity as sons and daughters of the king. It's not trying to get to the top of the mountain. He's trying to understand that the top of the mountain is where we're supposed to live. It's where we're supposed to be. And so if I get this, it can do two things in you. If I understand that the normal Christian life, if I understand that the normal state of a disciple is a heart that overflows of rivers of living water, and I'm not feeling it now, there's a part of me that's like, I really stink. I'm not measuring up. Or you can flip that around a little bit and say, if that's the way normal is, then I can get there. And not only can I get there, but I can get from there. So, if it's normal for me to be there, rather than sit down and go, well, I, I'm not even close to that, man. I can just go, well, if that's normal, I can do that. It's, it's not like this level of excellence thing. It's not the circle of excellence, the diamond club level. It's normal. Is that streams of living water would flow from us. So in this series... I want to help get us back to normal. There's <laughs> nothing like wrong with you, 
Okay, this is not like, hey, if you don't have streams of living water, man, no, this is getting us back to normal, getting us back to the way that we were designed to be. Here's what I want you to see. If this is not your current experience, number one, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Stop believing that this is just the way it's always going to be. Stop believing that, you know what? You just serve and serve and serve till you run dry and then you get tossed off to the side or you find someplace new and hope that it works out better there. You're never meant to run dry. You're never meant to be spiritually dry. Never. Never. You can serve God all the days of your life, passionately be in love with Him, and never run dry. Never. That's possible. Not only is it possible, it's normal. So if you have a season of running dry, stop believing that dryness is normal. Dryness, spiritual dryness, is a sickness. It is not where we're meant to stay. But if we develop our theology out of a desert, then we'll never actually see that what God planned for us was a land flowing with milk and honey. And we start to try to make the best of the desert instead of getting out of our desert into a land flowing with milk and honey. Some Old Testament stuff in there. If you don't understand that, I'll explain it to you later. It's okay if you don't get it. The point is, God has better for us than where we are right now. And you can get there. And it's not as hard as you think. Streams of living water is normal. It's normal. It's normal. doesn't mean you don't face challenges, but it means that what's in me doesn't stop flowing. It doesn't stop flowing. Not only does it not stop flowing for me, but it means when I encounter other people, they get some of my water. It means that when I experience people that have sickness, I can lay hands on them and see them healed. It means that when I'm around a bunch of depressed people, when I show up, the atmosphere of the room changes. They may still be depressed, but they have the opportunity to drink from the water that flows from me. It means that when I walk into a hospital room and somebody is dying on a deathbed and all the people gathered around it are just in, in, in confused and broken and all these things that, that people experience of, oh my gosh, I have all these unresolved issues with my loved one. I can walk into that room and Clayton Ritter, I promise you, has no wise answers for everybody in that hospital room. But the spirit of living water in me means the atmosphere of that room changes. What's that? I did. The rivers of living water <laughs> brings water to dry places. When you've tasted the water that flows from you, when the, the, this filling of the Holy Spirit, that's what this is. When you've experienced it for yourself, man, you... You don't, keep it, you don't keep it to yourself. You don't keep it to yourself. You don't just go, I've got my faith. I've got, I've got my faith and it's what keeps me going. No. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And he forgave me and he loves me. And if you believe him, I know he'll do the same for you. Let me tell you how I got healed of cancer. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Do it again, God. 
Do it again. That's rivers of living water. I sat and heard Norm tell a woman who's got cancer, who's got it so bad, it's breaking her bones, physically breaking her bones. And everything, every natural side of me is just going, I just want this lady to be comfortable. And Norm goes, let me tell you how I got healed. And I can't make promises to you. He didn't say that. But he just said, if God did it for me, I know he can do it for you. And I watched streams of living water flowing from this man. And we're believing this woman's healed, but I'm telling you, she walked out a different person. That's the normal state for a disciple. It's the normal state. You can get there. If you're not experiencing yet, you can get there. The second one is fruit. So the fruit and the flow. So we'll talk about flow a little bit later. Dave and I went on a whitewater rafting trip with our boys a couple of years, I guess a couple of years ago now, and we learned all about the flow rate of a river, which apparently is a very important thing to know before you start out on a raft in the river. And I thought we were on rapids until they showed me how high the river actually goes, which was not how high it was when we were there. And I went, oh, I guess flow rate is a fairly important thing before you set out on a journey on a river. We're going to talk about that probably next week. The second one that I want you to see, so the first part of a normal Christian life is that for the normal state of a disciple, their heart overflows with rivers of living water. Do you got that? The second part is fruit. This is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, and I think we'll throw it up on the screen there. Now, again, there's another verse that I read, and it, it kind of struck me a different way. We'll see how it does with you. But the fruit of the the fruit of the, not the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit. You remember, what's the rivers of living water? What is it? It's the Spirit. Same Spirit. We're not talking about different spirits. So rivers of living water will flow from us. That's the Holy Spirit that's in us coming out. In other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't just stay in. It flows out. The fruit of that Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. What does it mean? What do you mean no law? How can you live with no laws? You got to have laws. You got to know what to do. And I got to make sure I keep my stuff and keep other people from taking my stuff. You need laws. And they're saying, no, no, no. The apostle Paul is saying, if you have these fruit happening, you don't need rules. You don't need to be following a pattern of if you do this and this and this and this, and if you do these 17 steps, then you'll experience the abundance of God. No, no, no. If you just remove the blockages that are keeping you from the normal Christian life, then you can exhibit this fruit. So here's my challenge when I first read this verse. I went, that's a long list, isn't it? That's a long list. And I'm tempted to look at lists like they are levels to attain. That's just the way I'm wired. Love. Okay, I got to go get love. Joy. Okay, I got to go get joy. Peace. I got. And it's like I've got to achieve or attain or, or get to these varying levels. And that's not how fruit works. If I go to an apple tree, if I plant an apple tree in my yard, that apple tree is not going, come on, make some apples. 
It's not running out trying to get apples from another tree to tape onto itself. You see, the fruit that an apple tree bears is a natural extension of the vine that it's connected to. Fruit is a natural extension of our connection to Jesus, who is the vine. So if we're connected in a healthy way, and if we created the right environment in our hearts, then fruit just happens. It's almost like a byproduct of a heart that is well connected to the vine. And how do we connect our heart to the vine? It's surrender. It's surrendering our heart to the invitation he's already made to us. Fruit is singular. Can we put that verse back up? Fruit is singular, meaning it's not the fruits of the Spirit. You got to stop thinking about this like a fruit salad. It's a fruit. So one piece of the fruit contains all of these characteristics. It's as almost as if you're describing an apple. It has skin. It's got flesh inside of it and seeds and a stem. That's what this is like. It's describing a fruit, not a fruit salad where you can pick out the honeydew melon that's never ripe when you buy it in the store. And the grapes, who wants grapes in a fruit salad? Just cantaloupe and pineapple, that's all I want. You don't pick out the part. In other words, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we're meant to have all of it at the same time. And this is the last part we're going to talk about because I'm almost out of time. Not only are we meant to have all of these at the same time, but we're also meant to increase increase. When God created the the earth in Genesis chapter 1, he said something to everything that he created. He said it to the plants, he said it to the animals, and he even said it to us. And we see in Genesis 1.28, he says, God blessed them, meaning mankind, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. The God's intention for us is that we increase. That means all of the fruit that we exhibit is meant to increase. In other words, I'm growing in my love. I'm growing in my joy. I'm growing in my peace. I have all of it at the same time and all of it is increasing. The natural state of a disciple is to bear fruit that is ever-increasing. That's the normal, natural state of a disciple, like me and you, is that we have rivers of living water flowing from us, that we bear fruit, and we increase, and we increase. How do we increase? How do we increase? You know, it's something that's very interesting about fruit. Do you know what fruit has inside of it? Seed. So when you bear fruit, you're also bearing seed. Isn't that interesting? So increase is a natural progression from bearing fruit. The fruit has the seed in it. And I'm tired at looking at Christian seedless watermelons. I love seedless watermelons. Do you ever see at the grocery store when they have the seedless watermelon in one bin 
and the seeded watermelon in the other bin. And the seeded one is really big, but the seedless one is like half the size, but twice the price. You know what I'm talking about? Why does anyone buy seeded watermelons? That's ridiculous. Do you really like spitting seeds out on your porch? Probably not. Do you know how you get a seedless watermelon? A seedless watermelon has to be genetically modified to become seedless. What's the word you used? Hybridized. Hybridized. It has to be hybridized. It has to be genetically modified in order to become seedless. In other words, you have to change that thing's DNA to get it to do something it wasn't meant to do. Because a watermelon was created to bear seed. So why is it we keep creating fruit that bears no seed? That's not the way we're designed. If we're going to bear fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, then we should also be increasing in those because the fruit also contains the seed, right? And this may shock you, but that seed is not just money. You thought I was about to go there, didn't you? You're like, it's February, here comes the money talk. No, I'm talking about spiritual fruit. In order to see increase, you've got to create the right environment for good fruit. You create the right environment, which Michelle, wherever you are, that was beautiful, that verse. She already, right here, not knowing what I was preaching on, told you what the right environment is for a fruitful life. It's a surrendered heart. It's a willing, and Dave, what did you say? Willingness, earnestness, fruit. Isn't that hilarious? They didn't know what I was, well, maybe I, you're not on Facebook. You didn't pay attention to what I put on Facebook. Willingness, did I get that right? Willingness, earnestness, fruit. That's it. Surrender, willingness, earnestness, fruit. When you get the fruit, you get the seed, and the multiplication comes. I used to train pastors in this all the time. They all want to know, how do I grow my church? How do I grow my church? How do I grow my church? And I was like, well, if you keep focusing on growth, you're focusing on the wrong thing because you'll go buy somebody else's seed instead of actually developing the fruit with the seed in it. But you grow the church by growing the church. You grow the church by growing the people in the church. When you begin to see growth in the people, you start to see fruit and the seeds in your fruit. So when you begin to step into the places long devastated and you step into the cities that are devastated, you begin to renew them because the seed's in you. Your life is exhibiting these fruit. You go back into the same workplace that you used to be in, but you're different. And you go to the work Christmas parties And everybody else is acting crazy, and you're not because there's fruit that's coming out of your life. And in that fruit, there's seed, and the increase will come. In order for you, sometimes, I love growing tomatoes. I haven't been able to in a long time because I don't have enough sunlight in my yard. My trees grew too much. But I used to love growing tomatoes. You know what you got to do to tomato plants when they start to grow? You always want to get bigger, better fruit. I don't want lots of half-mediocre fruit. I want fruit to get bigger and better. But every now and then, you have this one little thing that's really thick and grows super tall, 
but has no fruit on it whatsoever. It's called a sucker. And you got to snip off the suckers. You want to bear some fruit in your life? Start snipping off the suckers. Look straight ahead. Do not look at your spouse right now. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how to, you got it. We're going to talk to you about how to snip off the suckers and how to unstop the flow. If there's no rivers of living water flowing from you, it's not because you don't have any water. It's because something has dammed up your flow. If you're not experiencing good, abundant, bigger, and better fruit, you might need to snip off the suckers. We're going to help you with that in the next couple of weeks. Is that okay? We're going to start tonight, and this will be a little bit different. I think everybody's got one of these in your pews. Thank you, Thalia United Methodist Church. And you probably even have a pencil as well. What's it called? Thalia Scribblers. You're now officially Thalia Scribblers. Everybody got one of these in your pew? Everybody grab one of these. If you're with your spouse or your friend, get one each. I feel like this has now become a seminar. And Joyce, can you put up that Galatians verse again? The fruit of the Spirit. Thank you, Joyce. Who loves Joyce? Paying attention back there. So on this piece of paper, oh, sorry, not the, the verse, the actual slide. You know the slide I'm looking for, Joyce. There you go. On that piece of paper, just write down, I want you to write down each one of those in, in, a, in a column. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I would have printed these out for you ahead of time, but you know the offering was not quite as good last week as... Uh, Just kidding, we didn't even take up offerings. <clears throat> Give you a second to write these down. I should have probably had a funny story to tell you while I was doing this, but I don't. Just keep the Jeopardy theme in your head. Now good luck getting that theme out of your head. Do, do, do. Everybody got it? You got your list? Okay. Now in that list, I want you to go down to each one of these. And I want you to rank yourself from one to five. One to five. One being, actually zero to five, I guess it would be. One being, I would not describe myself as having much of this in my life right now. Five being, I have an abundance of this, and it's increasing in measure on a regular basis. Zero, I have really none of this to show. I'm not experiencing any of this. I would not describe myself as having love or loving. I would not describe myself as joyful. Or all the way up to five, I have this in abundance, and it's increasing in my life. Does that make sense? Zero to five. Each one, you're done already. Look at you. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. So go down each one, zero to five. <clears throat> How many of you are getting anxious right now just trying to fill this out?
You shouldn't have to think too hard about it. Don't make this a test. Zero to five. Just look up at me when you're done so I know you're done. Couple more. All right. If you are sitting next to your spouse, trade papers. And now I want you. <laughs> And I, if you are that spouse, if you're not married, it's okay. If you're not with your spouse, that's okay. I want you to rank how you see your spouse. I will be scheduling marriage counseling appointments on Monday morning. Oh, I didn't do this for you. Do it honestly. Maybe the level of trust in your relationship is based upon how honest you are right now. Mm. Now, there's a reason I want you to do the second one. We see ourselves one way, but often it's those closest to us who may see things that we don't, for good or bad. Why are the spouse ones taking so long? <laughs> you guys are done, huh? You got good, good. All right. Can I encourage you if you're married? Take those home tonight, tomorrow, the next day. Talk about those. Talk with your spouse and say, "Hey, are you seeing from me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness?" Go through each of these. Romy and I will do it with each other. And actually talk through some of these things. Now, I'm not doing this to bring condemnation on anybody. If you're not married or not here with your spouse, do this with your father. Okay? Take your list. Get with the Father, the Heavenly Father, that's God, in case you're wondering. And say, Father, would you help me see what you see right now, and spend some time with him, okay? Over the course of the next couple of weeks, my goal for all of us is that we would bear fruit in every good work, that we would uncork the stream that's waiting to become out of us, and that we would increase and multiply in each of these. I'm not trying to get everybody to a five because this is not a ranking. 
This is about a good self-assessment. If you are sitting here, I'll tell you for me, I think I got the love thing down. I think I have the kindness thing down, goodness, faithfulness. I think I got the gentleness thing down, but I'm looking at self-control and patience, and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a one. I got ones. It's okay. Don't look at me like that. All right. Is that fair enough? Can we do that? I don't know how to finish this because I've been so discombobulated. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Oh, it's 704. I'm sorry. We're going to pray. So the goal here is that you bear fruit in every good work. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how to uncork the stream. We're going to talk about how to get into an environment where we can bear good fruit and multiply. So, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here. We pray for every single one of those people who were prayed for tonight for healing, that we're believing you tonight that people are healed and whole in Jesus' mighty name. God, I come against every spirit of condemnation that would seek to creep in to people right now, even just based on that list. We cast that out in Jesus' name. We are open. We are spiritually naked in front of you, Lord God, that you can see everything about us because you desire to see us healed and whole, not to tell us that we're not what we're supposed to be. We're not trying to become sons and daughters. We already are. We're aligning our hearts, aligning our minds with who you say we are. Your voice will be the loudest voice in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 